Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 225. Yeah. I'm your host. <laughs> I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the highly talented and internationally acclaimed children's book author, Amy Barron. I don't know about that, but thank you for that lovely introduction. Great to be it's here, It's true. It's true. You are internationally acclaimed, though. I am internationally published, yes. Or yeah, will be, see. yes. Well, because I saw you do have some things in, in different languages, too. Yeah, your book's been translated in different languages. Yeah, so right now um, it's out in English in the U.S., and it's soon to be released in Chinese. And then it was picked up by a Korean translator, a Korean publisher, and it will be released in Korean in spring 2024. So I just heard about that last week. That's awesome. Thank you. And so I... I got so many questions for you. And like I gotta say, I'm, I'm really excited that we're able to connect. And I was very excited that that my daughter, who just turned six, was able to read your your inaugural book, The Gentle Bulldozer. And she had a blast with it. So what I'm gonna do, so uh, she actually recorded a question before we went live. So what I'm going to do is oh, I'm going wow. to, she was really nervous. So she kind of read it kind of fast, but either way, so I'll translate <laughs> it after the fact, but that's <laughs> awesome. All right. I hope I can answer it. <laughs> All right, here you go. Hello, my name is Jonathan. I have two questions. I want to learn about what this supposed to do. So does, does, does the bozo does dig? Or, or, or does he actually, actually help his friends? There we go. Okay. So she said, what does a bulldozer dig and does she help her friends? That was the question. So. Jordan is so adorable. Um, <laughs> that's a great question. So generally, this is actually, Jordan asked a very good question that leads into kind of a funny story because generally, you know, you think about bulldozers pushing and their blades are against the ground and they're pushing around. And that was actually something that came up with the editor because in the, the scene with the farmer, the bulldozer's blades in the air. And it was funny because he actually got to my attention. He's like, you know, kids are very knowledgeable about construction trucks. Do you think that's okay? Or do you think that that's actually something that we should consider changing? Um, and we were saying, well, you know, we could call the story the, the gentle front loader or something like that, but it doesn't have the same ring as the gentle bulldozer. So right, this bulldozer right. pushes and maybe he's a little bit of a special bulldozer. Some, you know, technologically advanced bulldozers we learned actually can lift and twist their blades a little bit. So it's somewhat exaggerated. And yes, Jordan, he also helps people. He's a very, you know, kind and thoughtful bulldozer, which may not be realistic, but it's fun for the story. Thank you for the question. <laughs> Cause you got your, your initial inspiration for this. You're inspired by your toddler son when you're kind of stacking bricks or something. Is that, and that's how you're kind of inspired to kind of tell the story and how the story kind of formed in your head. Is that correct? Yeah. My, my son was one at the time. He's four now. Cause okay. you know how long this publication illustration process <laughs> takes. And he was playing with magnetic tiles and he was having just as much fun building as he was kind of knocking them over and tiles were flying everywhere, which I got, got kind of tired of. So I said, why don't we see how gently we can stack and, you know, how tall of a tower we can make. And my mind just started 
you know, thinking about a bulldozer that that's what he wanted to do. He didn't want to do any of the knocking down. So kids can provide a lot of inspiration for uh, stories. You kind of got an inspiration to have a story. How did it, there's many parents that watch and listen to this, or many, many parents will be interested is that you always kind of get this inspiration of imagination from your children, but how did you actually take that and say, I want to make a book about this? I've actually always been writing. I've always loved writing. I just, I find it really enjoyable. I do it for myself. So I had in the past tried to get probably two or three novels published. Um, Unsuccessfully, I had been, you know, submitted them to literary agents and publishers, but gotten rejections, but I kept writing and, um, you know, I had been reading a lot of picture books recently because I had young kids and the first draft I wrote on, you know, a yellow notepad and I read it to my husband and my kids and it sounds a whole lot different after going through, you know, the editing process with Yehu Press, my publisher. But, you know, it was called The Gentle Bulldozer back then and it had the same little, you know, rhymes in it. So much of it has stayed the same. Um, yeah, I mean, after I, you know, did my best perfecting it, I sent it off to literary agents and publishers and it only takes one to really believe in your story. So to get that positive reply back from an editor at you Press was honestly just so wonderful, such a wonderful feeling. Um, I couldn't believe it. And, and then we you know, went back and forth for a bit and did the developmental editing process and the story grew stronger. So you know, I was just so happy someone believed in the story. It felt really, really good. Right. So the developmental editing process of that, how different was your first draft that you submitted to the the final product? How 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 different is it? It was quite a bit different, really. Um, okay. I think the pacing, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a new author. I'm still in the learning phase. And, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of helped me get the pacing down. Um, and then even after that, it went to someone else to do what they call the line editing, um, which is kind of you know, making sure your choice of words is correct. And then the illustrations come into play and then the words change a little bit again, because especially with someone that has less experience, you may not know quite how to leave room for the illustrations. So I learned a bit about that and changed a few words there. And then you have the final proofreading. Um, they do usually three, three reads throughs and then you get to see the whole book on the computer, you know, including the cover and, you know, you're about the author, about the illustrator and everything like that. Um, so yeah, it's quite a long process and it's really definitely not just one person. I feel like it really is a a team effort. So how did that work with, uh, with your, with the, with your illustrator? Yeah. Rogerio Coelho is such a wonderful illustrator. I'm just so thrilled. I got to work with him. Um, he's in Brazil. So, you know, we were just communicating by email, but he's very experienced and he did a wonderful job really you know, showing a bulldozer with feelings, you know, I really, I really believed it when I looked at it. I was like, the bulldozer is actually very sad there. And at the end, when they get their big surprise, you can see that the machines are just shocked and, you know, delighted. So he did, he did such a great job. Right. And how much did you, as you were working with the illustrator, did you work directly with him or did you have to go through the the publisher for that? Um, there was some emailing back and forth more to introduce ourselves. Um, But yeah, in general, the, the publisher and the editors were always, you know, on the emails and um, you know, being a new author, you know, since then I've heard people say, Oh, I put notes here, put notes there. I didn't do any of that being a new author. 
Um, but you know what? He did a wonderful job and he's experienced. So um, that's probably for the best. So what were, as you mentioned, like the, some of the the facial expressions of uh, the, the vehicles, they said there's a bulldozer, there's a crane, there's a dump truck, there's a whole family of, of construction vehicles on there. What were some of the things that you're you're delightfully surprised about with the book? Yeah, I thought it was wonderful. Um, it was just so detailed. It was, you know, very obvious that we connected on the story. Um, and, you know, even on the cover, how the little, the rope at the top is just, you know, falling down, you can see, and bulldozers helping to lift it back up. I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. that's such a, that's such a cool detail. You know, you kind of have to really look at the cover and know the story to understand that he's a helpful bulldozer. Um, right. So things like that, he's very, you know, he draws lots of birds and just beautiful wildlife that really helps move the story along. Um, and, you know, you get to see the different scenery. You, you mentioned earlier, it was significantly different. Was there any pieces of, of the story that you really liked in that, in your original script of that basically the dev, developmental editor said, no, this isn't, this doesn't flow. We can't have that in here. No, I mean, only just the funny conversation I told you about with your daughter, you know, thinking, should we change this book to the gentle front loader because he's lifting? And then, you know, we realized that that was not necessary. But no, but I do understand where you're coming from, because I am someone that also has written novels, even though they're not published. And it is hard when you have to take a big chunk out, even though it's for the best, because, <laughs> you know, you get you get uh, really uh, into what you've written. But so I do know what you mean. But in this story, no, it was pretty straightforward. Right. So you know, a lot of people, as, as you know, talking about, oh, you know, writing a children's book, it's like 32 pages. It's only so many words. It's like, and we, we, we talked about it earlier when we went on the air is that, you know, writing a children's book is fairly complicated. Now, how different is writing a children's book as compared to long, long form prose? Um. I mean, in some ways, I think it's easier for me because with having young kids, I can, it's easier to write like mm. a picture book if you have a chunk of a half an hour versus a novel where it's taking a little bit more, um, I guess I would say focus just in the sense of thinking through the whole plot, mm. but it's also hard to keep the word count low. Um, right. That's definitely something that I struggled with. Um, I've heard 500 to 600 words is about average. I don't know. Is that what you think, Barney? This is about 650. It's a little bit on the longer side, but I think, I think that's, that's tough to try to really get the, the plot down. And, and what were some of the, some of the advice that you learned as you, when you first submitted it, that they said, you just mentioned earlier, it has to be a certain amount of words. It has to be a certain amount of pacing or what, how, what were some of the things that you're surprised to learn about as a children's book author? So I would say um, working with Yahoo Press, which is actually, you know, a, a bit a smaller press, even though they have an international presence, which is very cool. Um, they didn't give me that exact word count, which I've heard some of the, the major publishers might say is, you know, exact cutoff. So I guess I had a little mm -hmm. bit more wiggle room with that. But just in my own reading, I was aware that maybe it was a little more difficult to sell something that's, you know, 800 words, a thousand words. Um, I'm still learning, so I don't know if that's entirely true, but just thinking about my own children's sort of cutoff points for listening to something, maybe that is true for, although Berenstain Bears, do you, did you remember those books? 
Yeah. Those were a bit longer, weren't they? We still have some yeah. of those. Yeah. Working with an audience of children, how important is putting a message in the book? Um, I think that's actually a great question because I would say you brought up a good point that the best children's books do have a deep touching message and they're not preachy at all. So that's kind of like, those are the two sides, you know, you don't want to be preachy. You don't want to say the lesson or make it feel like, you know, something where, you know, children are going to be backing away from it. So you want it to be a very gentle lesson that comes in the form of a fun story that doesn't feel like a lesson. What were some of your other children's book ideas that you kind of floated in your head that you're thinking about doing that you're still looking forward to trying to do now that you've been able to launch your inaugural children's book? Um, so I have a lot of them on my computer, actually, you know, <laughs> and they're all kind of in different stages. Um, what's funny is that I did have one about pen pals and one was a polar bear and one was a little girl. And now I just, I watched your, um, your video with Josh Funk and then we read his book, but he executed his uh, story about pen pals much better than mine. So he has a similar <laughs> story. <laughs> I had never read it though. I had actually submitted my polar bear little girl one to some Twitter contest, but I right. never got any hearts for it. So. <laughs> no love, but his was better. Um, we love no. Give people a bit of a synopsis of the gentle bulldozer. How does it, what's the story about? So it's about an unfulfilled bulldozer who works at a construction site with his family. His job, as you'd expect, is breaking and destroying but he really doesn't enjoy it, even though he's good at it and he feels empty inside. So he's basically having a, an identity crisis. He's a bulldozer, but he's, he's gentle. What is he supposed to do? So he goes off to find his true passion. He meets a kind farmer who teaches him that he actually can do much more than just destroy. And he takes this new information back to his family who's shocked by it. And you know, by opening up and showing his true self, he and his family together are able to create something unbelievable without, you know, I won't share the ending, but it surprises all of them and delights all of them. So he gets his final moment to shine. Because he, yeah, a, the gentle bulldozer has a family of, of different vehicles. Now, from an author perspective, was there a number of family members that you wanted to give it to that visual atmosphere to give the, the the child and the reader a sense of, okay, this is a big family. Even from a technique perspective, five, rel you know, five relatives in the family, so <laughs> three instead of six. Like, is there, is there like a, yeah, is Sorry, there like a... His relative. Because yeah. <laughs> did you have to kind of pull an idea of like, all right, I need an excavator. I need a, I need a crane. Like, is there, was that something that your development, you know, editors suggested is to make it bigger, make it smaller, any of that? That's an interesting question. You know, maybe I should have thought more about that. I feel like I just looked around at the, you know, trucks that we had in our house that were loved and I put them on the story <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> no, did you, so, and did you have a, because you mentioned before that, what was it about the bulldozer itself? Was this just kind of a, a, a writing technique because you have a crane and you say you have a, um, you have an excavator, you got a dump truck. Um, what was it about, were you just set on making the main, the main character 
a bulldozer and, and not a dump truck and not a crane or something along those lines? And how would that story would have changed? Yeah, I think a bulldozer was ideal because gentle bulldozer is such an unusual concept. Right. Um, you know, we all think of bulldozers as being destroyers. And so when you hear the title gentle bulldozer, you kind of already have a feel for what the premise of the story is. Right. That's true. It doesn't have the same rhyme as, say, like right. a, a lightweight dump truck or, um, right. or, the, or the short crane. Like it doesn't. Yeah, right. It doesn't, but there you could right. make that. You could make that story. <laughs> the short crane. <laughs> but I'm not sure how that would work. Yeah. Uh, talk a bit about the process. You were able to put the book together. You you submitted it. Did you ever think it at all doing self-publishing at this point? Or how did that process go? I would say I, I almost feel like I, yeah, I feel like I would not have totally known how to go about doing all that myself. Um, right. I mean, it's really nice to have someone go through the process, find the illustrator for you edit your works. No, I, I didn't think about that at the time. Um, I also didn't know if I would get any, you know, positive responses back. I just put it out there and it was the beginning of the pandemic home with both my kids. I thought, what do I have to lose? I sent out other stories too. And, and how did you, and how did that work? Say for instance, we have people that are listening says, you okay. know what, Amy, I got a children's book. How do I, how did you find that that publisher? How did you, is there a list I can go someplace? Is What would, what advice would you give somebody who has a, a really good children's book manuscript that they want to try to bring out? So for liter looking at literary agents, which I don't, I don't have one yet, but for looking for them, um, I used query tracker. Is that net? Are you familiar? I can't remember, but probably if you just search for query tracker, um, they just, they list all the, the literary agents and you can, you can click off a box that says children's or middle grade and you could okay. you can kind of then you still have to do your own research and kind of figure out what they're about but it's a nice way to collect um the list in terms of publishers i really wasn't active on social media but i still believe if i can remember correctly that i kind of searched through some social media sites and just looked for like publishers seeking picture books without literary agents and things like that and you can kind of just, you know, and then I just made a list and I, and I emailed some of them. So, and I, okay. and I did look at their books to see, you know, how I felt about the illustrations. Um, Yahoo Press does have beautiful illustrations. So that was something that, you know, attracted me to them. And how, how many, for instance, like how many queries did you send out? Was it just to kind of give people some sense of, Hey, it's okay to take some rejections. At oh first? yeah. I mean, I, I didn't keep track of the number, but I've also, like I said, I mean, I've written quite a few novels and I mean, I probably sent out like 50, I mean, like 50, 75, things like that. And I mean, for the right. most part, didn't even get responses for those. Um, so I didn't keep tra track. That would probably be something fun to go back and look through my email at, at everything. <laughs> Originally, I was using my my one email for everything. And then I thought I should probably use like a different email so I don't have to always look at like rejections while I'm like doing other things, you know? <laughs> So, I mean, I think you have to, you have to expect that, you know, you're going to be sending it to a lot of people and it's not, don't feel offended if you don't get replies. I think there's a lot of, a lot right. of, uh, and, and what, what other advice would you give somebody who, who might, who might 
want to write a children's book? What are some, what's, what's some advice that you would give somebody who is just starting out They might, they might have some scratches on a notepad about. One concept that a writer pointed out to me, he asked me, can you, you know, tell me what one of your novels is about that's not been published. And I realized I was having trouble telling him and he, you know, reminded me of this concept of, of high concept fiction and mm. how, not that this is a way you have to write, but if you're really looking for an agent and you don't have any background with them and it's your first book that, you know, if you have this, if you have a premise that really gets the audience hooked and it can be explained very easily, that may be something that's easier to sell both to an agent and then for an agent to sell it to a publisher and then for a publisher to sell it in a bookstore and things like that. So that was something I learned, you know, and, and now when I'm writing a novel or even with the gentle bulldozer, which is a higher kind of more of a higher concept um, title, I have thought about, okay, how can I sum this up? And what's my premise? And so that's actually something that I've thought about before I started writing now. And I think it's really helped me to stay on track. Now, so for instance, when you're looking at like a new children's book script and you're ready to adjacent to advice, what's something that you are already able to implement because you already know the answer to? I would say really thinking about the illustrations. I don't think mm. I, besides being, you know, thrilled to see the, the illustrations and how exciting that is. I don't think I gave much thought to kind of how they fit it, they fit into the writing. And I do think that's something that is, will be easier the second time just to kind of right. picture, okay, what's going here. And then how do the words go along with that? Um, and I think my story turned out, turned out great, but it's just, it would have been easier had I sort of, you know, had the knowledge beforehand of, of thinking that through as like a big picture. Right. Cause one of the things a developmental editor would tell you is like, you don't have to say this because it's going to be in the right. illustration, for instance. So, right. but yeah, I think that's well, something to learn and I'm, I'll still be working on that, but I'll have it in mind now at least. Yeah. So you, the, the important thing, as you said, is like the illustrations uh, complement the words and the words complement the illustrations. Um, what were some of the things that you might have written out that you described that that your editor says you don't need to say this section because it'll be drawn in, for instance? Um, I can remember just towards the end of the book, I... I really was like just writing things out that mm. then once I saw the illustrations, it was very obvious, even if a four-year-old's the, the audience that I'm like, I can get rid of those words, which is great because it's less words. Right. So it was towards the end of the book where I'm just like, this picture says it all. You know, you can see what he and his construction family are doing. It's a whole spread, you know? So right. Now, as you mentioned, what are, how did that process work? As we, as, as we said earlier, is that you, you were identified, you, you, you found your publisher, you, you put the book down, how, how much back and forth happened between you and the illustrator in that? What did it happen a couple of times or was it here? It's all done. Did you get to see like thumbnail sketches before, before things were finalized? How did that work? Yeah. So um, we touched base in the beginning and then, there was quite, I can't remember exactly how long. I mean, it was, this is, it was probably a couple of years process. If I think about from when I first sent it to the editor to when it actually came out, I think it was about two years. So 
but the illustrator didn't have it that whole time. But yeah, so first we kind of touched base about some of the illustrations. Um, one thing that that you do that they, I would say they probably, because they're more experienced, took over and then I saw was you have to map out which pages are going to have which words. You know, some pages have more words, some pages have one sentence. So I think that's actually something um, that, a, you know, knowledgeable illustrator and editor would be better at than I am to think about right. what picture goes here. So I was actually kind of surprised at some of the ways things were laid out, but I think it was it was great. Wow, I so that's a good point. It up, you know, uniformly, <laughs> this would have been wrong. So but that's a good point. Like you, yeah. you wrote out the script, but you didn't write out page one, page two, page three. Like, did you just write out the whole story and then they split it up into different pages? So I can remember now that yeah, after we finished with. The, the actual story, which did change right. a little bit again, but what we thought right. was the final draft. I do think they asked me, you know, can you break it into pages? But then they changed it. So then, and then, they, which was, you know, for the best. And then they, they sent me, um, you know, a draft of it where you could actually see where the writing was going to be or where it was, you know, perhaps going to be on the page with the illustration. So. Right. That's so, so did they font heavy and a couple pages are not, you know, like, so. Right. So did they actually, for instance, like, in, you know, not giving away the story, but like, say like the, the scene with the tree, was that ever like, say, at ex, at ex, at ex, that could be not mean yourself. anything. That could mean anything. Yeah. It could mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so could that was say, for instance, was that say near the beginning of the story? Was that near the end? Like, did they move like entire scenes to make it fit the pace more or did the, did, did the, the scenes flow as they were in your original intent? Um, yeah, I think it's still, it's still flowed. Um, it was more just deciding how many words should go on each page and, right. you know, they're mostly full page, full page spreads, the illustrations. So that probably had something to do with it, how the artist decided to, to map right. that out. Now, are you are you are you hoping like for instance in the in like your other your other children's books that you're working on is this gonna be like kind of a a shared Amy Barron universe in a way like for instance hypothetically speaking in other other stories are you wanna do you wanna work with the same illustrator and make sure you put in some kind of like hidden Easter eggs for people that might know gentle bulldozer and then put them in the background or something. I like, I like whatever you're thinking about. I don't know. I mean, I would love to work with Rogerio again. I think he's absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, right now I'm working on my a middle grade novel, so I haven't thought about picture books quite as much recently right. besides the gentle bulldozer, which has been a lot of fun. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to work with him again for sure. Right. Yeah, so you bet you because I saw that you mentioned it in a previous interview I, that you are working on one called Ferocious. Is that right? Yes, Ferocious, the opposite of gentle. <laughs> I, know. I don't know what it, what it is with this. What? So what is it about? So what is it about writing, say, a young adult novel that's that's similar to writing a uh, a children's book? Um, so this is, I guess, middle grade, so nine, nine through 12, mm. um, kind of that in-between point. I feel like it's similar in the fact that my favorite part of writing is just the way the puzzle fits together, thinking about the character arc and how, you know, where can I put little details in that will be 
kind of a piece that fits here and a piece that fits, fits there. So in that sense, it's the same. And that's really the part I love. Um, you know, I'm still working on the writing part. I really am. I'm still working on, uh, you know, how do I explain this setting and, you know, in a novel and make it sound pretty and this and that. But I love the the puzzle part. That's what's really fun for me. Right. And so what, what kind of... Uh... And how we, as you mentioned earlier too, is like your, your children being your inspiration. How much, uh, how much inspiration do you see, uh, you know, other aspects of your life uh, coming in for your writing? Um, I would say that my writing's not autobiographical, but at the same time, having a nine-year-old daughter has helped me because it reminds me kids really do like adventure. And, you know, I like to write a lot about like the emotions and the, you know, how the person's feeling and their internal thoughts. But I think it's really reminded me, you know, they love, they love all the, the drama and the action and, and the big plot. So I think to be able to combine those two is great for, uh, you know, like nine, 10, 11, 12 year old audience. And um, I'm trying to map out the internal plot as well as the external plot together. Right. And so does that involve a lot more developmental editing on your part or, or, or and content editing? How does that work for you? So right now I just have about one draft. And like I said, this is maybe my third or fourth novel. So that's really right. the main way I learned, which was by writing, but the other ones are, are unpublished. Um, <laughs> and they, they will remain that way, which is for the best. And my husband is my first reader and my mom is my second reader. So. That will be my team. And then, you know, I'll see what they do. And then maybe I'll turn to some friends and the writing community. Um, right. I had someone at my school read one of my other novels um, very generously. So hmm. now, how does that work? So for instance, some people say, you know, I, how do you find those beta readers that aren't like, say, friends and family? Right. Your, your husband and your mom um, <laughs> and your kids. They're, they're, they're pretty honest though. I have to tell you, like my, yeah. my, it does make my husband and I bicker a little bit. I'm like, you, that's all you feel. Um, <laughs> he's not. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's a, so there's a, you know, author that goes to my daughter's school that I met. So she, you know, read one of my books, which I really appreciated. And she had her, her daughter read it after as well, which I thought was great. And she wrote me comments and, you know, we talked before we went on the air about how we were doing, you know, these writing groups, the the Society of Children's uh, Book Writers and Illustrators, and how, you know, we had a common friend through one of those groups. So right. I think these are all great ways to connect. Um, yeah, even through Zoom, through Zoom writing groups and things like that and trade manuscripts and beta readers. Right. <laughs> now, what, what, what? So what, what are some of the benefits of connecting to other writers as well? It's because, you know, writing is such a solitary profession. Uh, what are some of the, is it benefits from being able to share experiences or just, you know, share frustrations or also like really good techniques that you're able to, to learn from other writers? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's all of those. Um, mm. I wasn't active on social media at all before I started before my book came out, I'm still, I wouldn't say I <clears throat> know social media well, but it right. is nice when people support you. Like it feels really good. <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's nice to support other people. I try to, you know, support everyone else from my publisher and then people that I've met, you know, that I know in real life that are writers and 
And I think that's great. And every time I read someone's someone's book, whether, you know, whatever stage they're in or whether it's a already published book, I always learn from it. So, I mean, every time I learn, I learn something, I'll think, wow, I love how they, you know, describe this, or even if it's something that maybe I wouldn't do that I'm mentioning to them. Um, I'll try to remember that for myself, you know, oh, this is repetitive. I do that too. So I feel like it reading and talking to other people is just a very important part of the process for me. Right. And so, so we're talking about, so the gentle bulldozer, it is available now. People can get this book now and it is available. If somebody wants to get the gentle bulldozer, where's the best place they could go to? So yeah, you'll see on my website, uh, I have a list of my local bookstores that are carrying this, the book. I also have a link to the Amazon website online. So yeah, amybarrenbooks.com. Okay. And, and as, as you mentioned too, so make sure, please, uh, for those that might be like, you know, go to your local library, ask them to pick up the book as well and have it, uh, have it in your local library too. That's a that great suggestion. Really yeah. I definitely do yeah. that too. Perfect. So, so Amy, if people want to learn more about you, where's the best place they could go to? Right there. amybarrenbooks.com. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, Amy, when Ferocious comes out, you got to make sure you come back on the show. And we're going to oh, talk more about you, your Barney. Books. I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> Now, so we mentioned before, like you, you're an optometrist by, uh, I was gonna say by trade, but it's not a trade, trade but you're yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, cause you, 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 uh, I'll edit that part out. Let me, let me start, <laughs> <this position. laughs> I'm oh. not currently working as an optometrist, but yes, I am an optometrist. <laughs> so you are, you're an optometrist. Was there anything that you're able to utilize from from your expertise and so, so that's what I'm looking for. Um, have you ever thought about that? Is whatever I'm trying to say here. I'm so glad I timestamped this part right now. This is perfect, David. It's gonna be so smooth. Um, 